Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. I'm always happy here on Chicago's Legal Latte when we can uh, discuss certain legal topics and provide clarity or explanations. Uh, usually those, those are on terms and concepts that many of us are somewhat familiar with already. Uh, but it's also enlightening when the opportunity presents itself to take some of those more familiar concepts and, and branch off into some unique or specialized elements of the law and do so with an informed and experienced practitioner. Well, today's our day. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And while we have discussed estate planning and administration in a number of ways in the past, today we're going to provide some guidance for those families who have a special needs child and find out why estate planning may be, let's say, even more critical for them. Uh, joining me in our discussion today is Attorney Michael Ross. Michael is part of the, the uh, exceptional estate planning and administration practice group at Lavelle Law, and it's always a pleasure to have him join me. So uh, let's get to it. Michael, good afternoon. Nice to talk to you again. Hey, Jim, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, but as we dive into the topic today, and I mentioned we're going to focus on children with special needs. So are we talking about children then that have, uh, you know, certain physical or mental disabilities that the family has to deal with? Oh, absolutely, Jim. Jim, you know, in the past, you and I have talked about a number of topics that impact families with children with special needs, ranging from autism to Down syndrome to cerebral palsy. Um, so we're talking about cognitive issues and uh, 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 physical disabilities as well. And so what I thought today would be a really good opportunity to do is kind of bring all of that together and talk about how Lavelle Law can be a significant resource, a, a, a turnkey resource, if you will, for families that have children with special needs as we take them from uh, um, early childhood diagnosis and birth all the way through to when they turn age 18 and, and beyond, that we, we can be a valuable resource to folks out there, to our clients, um, to their loved ones, um, um, when they're working through issues and navigating um, uh, the pitfalls and, and various things that can impact their children as they grow. Yeah. And as we'll learn today, there's a lot that, that goes into this, and it's great that uh, families have advocates uh, uh, like yourself and, and the other folks at Lavelle Law to help them through some very difficult times. So, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, the importance of establishing an estate plan is, is always critical, as we've discussed many times. But um, tell us why it's even more so important, perhaps, for a, a special needs family. Absolutely. You know, in the past, Jim, parents, grandparents, friends of family members, uh, they, would, they would disinherit children with special needs. And frankly, there's an ethical and moral dilemma with that. Although the reason why they would do that is because these, these children conceivably would need uh, certain government benefits, certain needs based needs tested benefits. So when we say that we still use the, the term welfare benefits, but it's got such a negative mm -hmm. stigma to it. So there's, and we'll, I know we'll dive into this in a little bit, but there's two types of benefits. There's the uh, needs-based benefits like Medicaid and supplemental security income. And then there's the entitlement benefits. So like Social Security, Medicare, things, the SSDI, Social Security Disability Income. These are based on mom and dads or the uh, um, individual with a disability's work record. They've 
worked with a certain number of quarters in the system. So in the past, before we had certain uh, third-party special needs uh, uh, trust, uh, different mechanisms we can utilize to preserve those benefits for, for kids that will need them, um, they were just inherited. And now we've really got to go and educate folks, parents and grandparents, that you don't have to do this anymore, that we're here with careful and, and proactive planning. We can your, – your children with special needs or grandchildren with special needs, they can inherit this money put it in, in the proper trust, and still receive these needs-based benefits that they're going to need for the rest of their life. Because frankly, uh, depending on the disability, the cost uh, can be astronomical for, for families with children with special needs in terms of medical costs, healthcare costs, um, daily living expenses. When mom and dad get older, um, the cost of, of, of housing children with special needs, providing certain resources. So it's really critical that folks come in, meet with us, learn about these, these estate planning tools, and, and, and we plan ahead, and we can uh, protect the child's benefits, and uh, also they can inherit. So important that, that families not shy away from the government uh, programs that are available. Um, so let's establish that point up front, but then let's talk about what might not make them shy away but scare them away. You know, is this a complicated process? How difficult is it? for families to uh, provide or prove eligibility and, and to access uh, what might be available through the government programs. Absolutely. Sure. It, it can be a very daunting process. We are dealing with the Department of Human Resources, Source, excuse me, in, in, uh, excuse me, DHS, the Department of Human Services. We're dealing with Social Security. Medicaid is a, is a federal program that's administered by each state. The rules vary from state to state. It can be quite complicated. I mean, we hear nightmare stories from parents all the time, from, from people with disabilities, that they were denied uh, 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 benefits. And we, it's unfathomable because they've, there's, mm-hmm. it's documented that they have a, a disability. They're low income. Um, so they should, be in, they should receive these benefits. But, you know, frankly, not to sound too cynical, but the, the, our state is, uh, um, financially is, is not in the best place, especially when it comes to Medicaid programs and especially when it comes to take care of, taking care of our most vulnerable citizens, our, our disabled and our seniors. So it's really important that, that folks come in and see us, that we can, we can educate them on how easy it is to put in, to implement uh, estate planning mechanisms and documents in place that can preserve these, these benefits. And also we can, we can work with the, the folks on actually applying. And again, that task can be quite daunting for lay people, for lawyers even sometimes, that it's, it's complicated, um, they're denied, then they appeal, and, and really we always encourage folks that are denied initially to appeal. There's a certain amount of time, so it's really important that you're on top of those things, that you get all the financial documentation, all the support documentation that the various government agencies are requesting, that you're on top of dates, um, so they don't give them a reason to deny you. Um, and always appeal, um, because your chances on appeal are a little better than the first time around. Well, let me let me make sure I hear this, and I'm I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it, it, what I'm hearing is that for a family who, um, you know, either either brings a child into the world that has special needs, or as that child starts to grow, they start to look at what their costs are going to be and how they want to plan for their estate, and even before they do anything, it's okay to sit down with with you at Lavelle Law and say, look, here's the situation we're in, and you can sort of guide them down the right path as opposed to them going out, getting into a problem, and then coming to you. 
absolutely. We always encourage being proactive, getting out in front of the problem. And frankly, sometimes you don't know the problem is there. So um, if you do have a child or a, a grandchild with special needs, we encourage you, the parent, the grandparent, and the parent to come on in. And even if the child is very young, was just born, we can get out in front of some of these issues and educate and put the right pieces in place to uh, really preserve and increase that child's quality of life going forward. And again, all the way from early diagnosis to, uh, uh, to, the, to the day they turn 18, establishing a guardianship for, um, uh, for, the, for the children, for the child especially. So mom and dad can continue to make educational, financial, and health care decisions on behalf of the child. Um, that's all really critical. So we can help you all the way down the road. Well, let's talk about that middle period there. And we're talking with Lavelle Law Attorney Michael Roth uh, on our podcast today. We're discussing estate planning for families with special needs children, uh, just one of the many areas of estate planning that, that Michael's been involved with during his career. Uh, and by the way, you can do a virtual meet with, with Michael by visiting his profile page at LavelleLaw.com, or as he's already invited you, an actual face-to-face for a, for a consultation. That can be done by calling 847-705-7555. Um, there are many young people who um, have disabilities of some sort, but but they vary in degree, and many of them can be highly functional and attend schools with certain levels of assistance. Explain the role of estate planning in, in terms of educating young children with, with special needs. Oh, sure. Um, again, you know, there's there's other than the connection that we're able to to really focus on every issue that can impact the child th- throughout their lives. Um, the, the importance is, too, when it, upon the you know, diagnosis or the age of three or four years old, the child, the parents, who the parents are always the child's advocate since the day they're born. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, depending on the disability, they may be entitled to what we know as an individualized education program. So an IEP, as they're colloquially known, will meet, I will meet with uh, parents um, in any, any type of resource, people that provide resource or advocacy on the behalf of the child, and then the whole school's team around the table um, in order from early diagnosis to early evaluations of the child to determine what accommodations this child will need to receive a free and appropriate public education, a FAPE, as we, can, as we colloquially refer to it in the special education world. Um, so we want to ensure that the child is getting all of the requisite support that they need to succeed academically, but that they're fully included. So the least limited means possible. So we want those child, children to be in the classroom with their peers. Um, that socialization is so important to the child's development, to their confidence and self-esteem. And as we know, Jim, success breeds success. And when, when a child with special needs has success, and that'll just perpetuate itself and promote independence and, and, a, and, a, and a greater, higher quality of life. So that's what we're here to do here at Lavelle to ensure that your child is receiving that. Um, so if we don't think they are, give me a call. We'll review your IEP. We'll review the accommodations that have been implemented or 504 plans, and we'll ensure that your child or do everything we can to ensure that your child is getting the requisite, requisite support that they need academically to succeed. And, and next step, and you've mentioned a couple times, we've got just a couple minutes left here, but when this child then reaches the age of 18, which is you know commonly referred to as, as sort of adulthood in, in a legal sense, um, what changes then and what do parents need to prepare for from, a, from an estate planning point of view to make sure that the, the child is cared for even after that point? Absolutely, Jim. Um, you know, it's, 
there's a presumption when you turn 18 that you have capacity, that you're an adult, that you can make decisions on your behalf, financial, healthcare, educational decisions. Well, pursuant to federal law, the child is actually um, afforded three additional years of, of school, of, of, of high school. And, and these are things where they're going to learn life skills, they're going to learn career skills, things that they're going to need to grow um, and, uh, and flourish and, and, and achieve their uh, uh, their their highest level um, in, in as citizens in our in our country. So the important thing is to ensure that mom and dad at the age of 18, if the child says I don't want to go here anymore, go to want to go to school anymore, they leave and they lose that opportunity. You can't you, you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube once that's happened. So we always encourage folks who have children with special needs that at about their maybe 17 and a half years old to reach out to us. We can put the groundwork in place for a guardianship if that's necessary, file the appropriate petition at the age of 18, and help them navigate that process where the court will appoint them the guardian of the person of their child so they can continue to make these health care and educational decisions for them and ensure that a child is taking advantage of those three additional years. And then even afterwards, we don't want any gaps in health care decision-making. Uh, so God forbid something were to happen to the child. None of us have a crystal ball. You know, uh, uh, mom and dad, technically, uh, when they turn 18, they can't speak to physicians. They can't review medical records. So we want to make sure that we, we don't have any gaps in decision-making ability for mom and dad for their child. And, again, it all depends on the child's abilities, uh, their capacity. Mm-hmm. Guardianship may not always be appropriate, but we're, we're going to take a holistic approach to, to helping your child and ensuring that, that, that your child achieves their greatest success and, and their highest quality of life. And, and very briefly before I let you go, then, should mom and dad also be looking forward to, quite frankly, the days when they get uh, a bit older or ultimately one of them may pass away, making sure that a sibling or someone else then is, is set to step in as a guardian if needed? Oh, my God, that's a great question, Jim. Absolutely. So we'll even put some succession planning in place. So God forbid something were to happen to mom and dad, we'd have a standby guardian in place or somebody that can get appointed where that transition is absolutely seamless. So we take care of all that. And a lot of that, I know we're talking about improving the child's quality of life too, but, hey, we've got to really promote mom and dad's peace of mind. I think that's really important. A lot of parents say, what's going to happen when something happens to me? Well, those are the, mm-hmm. those are the questions we're going to answer for you and put the put the, the proper things in place, legal mechanisms in place, so there's a very seamless transition. Well, as you can tell, there's a lot more for us to cover on this topic, and it's always great when Michael Roth stops by. We'll do it again with him soon. Uh, in the interim, um, follow up on his invitation, mroth at lavellelaw.com or 847-705-7555 is the best way to reach him. Thanks to him for sharing his knowledge with us today, and uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Look forward to having you join us for a future episode of Chicago's Legal Latte. Thanks for being here.